Hi folks, welcome to Follow the Leader, a podcast focused on telling character-driven stories through the use of GMless tabletop games where we can all take the lead. You can find us on Twitter and Tumblr at FDLcast. Today we're playing This Town is Full of Monsters by Alex Samoylov. For those of you who are new to this game, here are the basics. This Town is Full of Monsters is a storytelling role-playing game set in a smallish community beset by mysterious eldritch forces. There's always a town, there are always townsfolk, and somewhere, everywhere, perhaps in their hearts and minds, perhaps in the swamps or the woods, there are monsters, mysteries, and secrets. I'm Kales, and you can find me at Citadel of Swords on Twitter, and my pronouns are they, them. Playing with me today, we have... Hi, I'm Mab. You can find me on Twitter at LittleLadyMab, and my pronouns are she, her. I'm Jade. You can find me on Twitter at JadeOxfordRose, and my pronouns are... My pronouns? My... Hmm... My pronouns are they them. I just like feel like I've just like tapped into a vibe of something really too appropriate for this game by using the phrase pronouns. <laughs> <laughs> oh. My nouns are alpha. No. Um. Oh, it's me. Yeah, sorry. I just <laughs> spent so much time talking. It's easy to get thrown off. Yeah. Um, I'm Dora. Um, you can find me on Twitter at HarpyDora and my pronouns are they them. Uh, our lines, which are things we absolutely do not want to see, are homeopathic remedies. Homeostasis. We're doing this again. Um, homophobia and transphobia, racism, sexism, violence against children and animals, sexual assault, domestic violence or intimate partner violence, and unwanted pregnancy. Our veils, which are things we're fine with addressing, but we'll just fade to black on, are steamy situations and graphic de- descriptions of bodily harm. Now that we've got all that, let's get started. Whee. I've noticed the descriptions and depictions just changes. <laughs> yeah, I always read it differently depending on the day. It says descriptions. Mm. It, either way, it's the same... It's the same vibe. It was just really funny when I was like batch listening to a whole bunch of content, and I'm like, mm. it's changing every time I listen to it. The thing is, because we can depict acts of violence, we just don't describe them in yes. graphic detail. So. It's the description. Yeah. Anyway, we're getting lost in the semantics, not for the first or last time. take us through the book I'll just like the tiniest bit because there's some excellent writing in this book um I make no secret of the fact that this town is full of monsters is probably my favorite jamless game and so I just want to make sure that we're all aware of the stuff that's going on and there's also like there's a lot of moving parts in order to make this game as good as it is so as long as we're clear on what they all are we'll be fine um true wisdom one, answers are optional. Two, drama is like a stormy ocean. 
Three, life is a poem. Four, absolute realism is boring. Five, nothing is real. Six, games are games. These principles will lead you towards success and enjoyment. These principles, when taken full to heart, will guide you on your mysterious journey. These principles are the scaffold upon which hangs a multitude of worlds. Um, I would fucking live by that. <laughs> I'm gonna be saying I love this game a lot during this recording, just so y'all are aware. I love this game, Supercut, coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, like I said, a lot of moving parts, a lot of words, so I'm going to try and go as quickly as possible through all this so we can actually get to the the meat of the game. But, <sighs> okay, so there's a couple things in this game. There's tags and there are markers. Tags are just are significant descriptors that apply to characters, locales, and organizations. They are generally expressed in very few words. One is often just fine. Adjectives and nouns work well, although gerunds, which are basically just nouns syntactically speaking, are fine too as descriptive phrases. I tend to use tropes as my tags because it's fun that way. There is no limit to how many tags a character, locale, or organization can have. Any entity can possess two entirely contradictory tags at the same time if the contradiction has an interesting narrative effect or makes sense in fiction. Um, I just love this. Uh, markers. Uh, a marker is an indication of potential change, significance, or numinosity. Uh, it is essentially a tag that has not yet been officially named or revealed. Uh, a character marker is transmuted into a tag whenever a character takes an important or conspicuous action that isn't accounted for by one of their existing tags, or when a previous secret aspect of that character is revealed to the group at large. Similarly, a locale marker becomes a tag when something major is revealed about the locale that isn't accounted for by one of its existing tags. So basically, this game allows for a lot of growth and change and play to find out what happens with your characters and your location in some really fun and cool ways that are explicitly outlined in the text. Um, at least one new marker is assigned at the end of every scene by the player who framed said scene. So, now that we've got that, we're going to start with setting up. One, define your motifs. Two, build your town. Three, create primary characters, locales, and organizations. Four, introduce some mysteries and frame the first scene and get rolling. I skipped over the pin that stuff to the map because we do not have a map for this game. That's fine. So, now we're actually getting into the stuff that we have talked about. Um, motifs are exactly what they sound like. They're just motifs. It's just the sorts of images, symbols, and ideas that we want to see that we're going to have surfacing over and over again, that we want to see surfacing over and over again, and we've established a couple of these already. Right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Does someone else want to talk? Sure. I'll keep explaining the game, but just other people, please, also pitch in. <laughs> so, um, the book recommends starting with three or more motifs, and so we've got three motifs um, already set. Um, since this is the city of Gauls, uh, one of the motifs is seagulls. They're super important to the history and the present of the city. Um, another motif is bones because there's, there's been a lot of conflict and kind of death surrounding the city and its history. And, uh, the final motif we have is unexpected light in the darkness and darkness where there should be light, which is going to be really interesting to explore. And, we shouldn't feel boxed in by these motifs because motifs can and should change as the game progresses. 
So we can add some and remove some as needed. Um, do we have any others that we want to add before we keep going? I feel like given the history of the City of Gods, as we've established uh, in the quiet year and that touch of it from the Sundered Land, um, I just I, I know it's a coastal town, but I really like the idea of something with water. I, but I'm not entirely sure how I want it to be a motif as opposed to the just the presence of water. Um, no, water is reflection. I mean, I was just thinking about um, New Beginnings, but I was thinking about New Beginnings also, especially because of the mermaids thing. Yeah. I like New Beginnings. Yeah. Because I, I was thinking about water, water, wash and clean your sins, which is a way too Christian of an image for me to have in here. I'm sorry. That was not meant to be an insult. I'm just too Jewish for this goddamn shit. <laughs> how about, um, what, how about new beginnings? Um, what about trans, I don't want to say transmutation or transformation. Trans. <laughs> uh, but the act, the act of change. Yeah. Like things becoming something new. Because that's not the same thing as a new beginning. Metamorphosis? That's, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get some Kafka up in here. Fuck <laughs> yes. Never read Kafka, but sure. I, I saw, I think, uh, a production of Rhinoceros once. That place fucking weird. It's good. It's weird. Um. Okay. Do we have any more that we want to talk about? Like we said before, we can always come back to this. The marks we leave on others. Yes. I was just like scrolling through the documentary and going, ha, huh, ha. Huh, huh. Hmm. So. <laughs> Jade, I've got, I've got my chin resting on my hands right now. I'm so excited. Okay. <laughs> so with the motifs, we move on to the town. Uh, the town will always contain the following domains. Domains are not so much specific locations as they are broad zones or aspects. Uh, specific locales can be tagged with one and sometimes more of these domains. The domains will not always come into play during the setup phase of the game, but they are worth considering. Um, so the four domains, the four broad domains that are defined are the wilds, the deep, the fringe, and the heart. So the wilds are uh, an untamed and in some cases uncharted space where nature still holds sway. Uh, they can man manifest as deep, dark woods, lonely desert canyons, the seemingly endless expanse of the ocean, any combination of the above, and so on, and often ser serve as the home or incubator of eldritch or primeval forces and beings, whether good, evil, or somewhere in between." The Deep is a sim similarly is a place beyond where ordinary folks rarely tread and where humankind has no permanent power or authority. Uh, however, uh, the wilds usually appear finite um, and are part of or an extension of the natural world, but the Deep is a hidden and explicitly supernatural reflection of the collective shadow of the town's denizens. I almost forgot about this part. This game is so good. I like the way you said the shadow. <laughs> the shadow. It's got a, it's a capital S. <laughs> uh, the deep often bears a superficial resemblance to human construction, often manifesting as a realm of hidden nooks, unusual doors, basements, sewers, labyrinths, catacombs, and so forth. 
In some cases, the deep expresses itself as a parallel reality all of its own. In some cases, it is simply an impossible space that impenetrates with physical consensus reality at odd angles. The deep <laughs> and the wilds may and often do directly intersect, but the deep is usually more directly and obviously connected to the town itself. Um, okay. Oh, I love that. The fringe is a liminal space between the mundane and the eldritch, a thin, unstable, or simply hybridized realm. The fringe is not necessarily geographically contiguous. It may manifest as a disconnected patchwork of in-betweens, the extent to which a physical location is affected by the deep or by a particularly otherworldly aspect of the wilds can change over time. Fringe spaces grow, shrink, fall dormant, and awaken based on factors that are rarely evident to the people that inhabit or pass through them. And the heart, the part or aspect of the town that lives and breathes and functions within the confines of the consensus reality. This is, in the most cases, the domain where a fair majority of your scenes will take place. It's usually populated by well-meaning people simply trying to live their lives. Like the fringe, the heart is mutable. It can shrink, grow, and come under attack. Like the deep and the wilds, it has a sort of a gravity of its own. Um, I don't... Like, I didn't want to read this whole thing, but I'm going to read this whole thing because this paragraph is so good. A primary <laughs> purpose of the heart, at least insofar as the human mind can discern, is to allow limited creatures to make sense of an unlimited universe, to guard them against the horrors of the ethereal world. As such, the heart is largely a place of relative order, metaphysically speaking. As mundane as it may seem, is its true nature is no less powerful, mysterious, and primeval than any other domain. It simply serves a different role within the context of the machinery of creation so those are our domains it's really rad listening to you uh read out the text um given that we've established the city of goals so well i don't think we had the idea that we were going to play this town as full of monsters when we played the quiet year but thinking about the town we already done so much of this work already like, this is so good. If I'm remembering correctly, we did The Quiet Year a couple of weeks before we played This Town is Full of Monsters. Did we do This Town is Full of Monsters in September? Uh, we did uh, This Town is Full of Monsters in 09. So yeah, that's September. Yeah, <laughs> and we'd already recorded The Quiet Year because that was August. Mm. Yep. So there we go. So we just like, I and I hadn't even read this before mm -hmm. we just had already done the work yeah um that just goes to show how much this game is your jam it's mm -hmm. so my jam y'all um, but yeah <laughs> if folks haven't listened to uh the quiet year uh arc we've done um we start first of with all the, go know, back and listen to you it. should it's good it's good first of thing. all do first of all we didn't say this at the beginning but this is a sequel yeah <laughs> this is a sequel episode we just started talking about the city of gulls and i hadn't said this is a sequel episode to our yep. sunderland and quiet your games so you should mm -hmm. probably stop now go back and listen to those episodes because <laughs> things will make a lot more sense listen if i can cram them all in in a week so can you <laughs> i had to study <laughs> mab did some studying and we're yeah, very good. appreciative okay Back so, to the point. Domains. Yeah. The wilds. So we have both an expanse of ocean and deep dark woods. Excellent. Yes. I think the wilds are just surrounding for yeah. the most yeah. part. It's like we've got the ocean on one side and then it's forests. Uh, 
I think it's like mountains on sort of it's mountainous on one edge. Uh no, because the mountains are a mirage. The mountains uh. are a mirage. Which is actually I was going to suggest that the mountains that are a mirage are the deep. Well, I was thought it was gonna be the temple Tunnel. also. I thought, yeah, the underground tunnels. I thought those could be fringe. Ah, oh, that's good. So, like, the underground tunnel... We're just bouncing all over the shop now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's fine. We'll go back to it. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, the carnivorous um, trees. Like, were the, are the mountains <laughs> still there? Or did they get dispersed? For some reason, I thought like, once you saw through the illusion, they're not there anymore. But also, that was just me cram listening to it. And I don't think it was actually said. Yeah, I don't think it was actually said, and I don't think it was said that the mountains were gone. The mountains are still there. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they're bigger. I don't mind if they're bigger. Um. Also, the temples, I think, are fairly fringe. Yeah, because the un- there's one temple underground. There's one temple that no one can see. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which was what I was figuring as the deep. Or at least one of them. That can also be... I mean... Yeah. Well, this becomes interesting because there's stuff that you can see that isn't really there, and there's stuff that you can't see that is really there, which yeah. feels like it's chiming in nicely with what the deep is about. Yes. Yep. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think the heart is. I don't think we've got like specific districts or anything in the city, but I think the heart is definitely like inside the city itself where everything's being rebuilt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the, the, the where the people go is still fairly small, so... Yeah. But, like, the reclaimed parts of the city. Because so much of it is still in ruins, so really the fringe is all mm-hmm. around. So... <laughs> Important <laughs> emphasis there. Excellent. For those of you uh, listening at home, uh, Kales wrote in the fringe, the other temples that you can see... Besides the temple that you can't see. Yep. Important distinction. Do we um, feel like maybe some of these very tall towers that the people can't live in or won't live in for good reasons, whether they should be part of the fringe or maybe part of the deep? Um, probably the fringe. I sort of like it if they're part of the deep, though. No, I want them to be part of the wilds. That too. Okay. That was going to be my I next like that. vote. Because yeah. I think the gulls are very wild mm. and yes. not as deep. Yeah. The gulls no. aren't very deep. They haven't taken any, like, they don't debate very well. No, they don't have philosophy degrees. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine a bunch of giant gulls sitting on top of really high towers and spouting philosophy at you? For all you know, first. that's what they're doing. <laughs> I just wrote a post on Tumblr today that basically was like, if you have an opinion on philosophy, you're a philosopher. Sorry to to burst your bubble. And I'm like, now imagining these goals having opinions on philosophy. And it's like, (laughs) no, you're a philosopher. No, I can't be that deep. Isn't there that little strip, uh, that cartoon, little cartoon strip where somebody's just like, um, Socrates was a little bitch. And then it's got, then the next panel is just like Socrates 2. It's just like, ah. And it's like, ah, damn. <laughs> yep. That's, it. That's exactly it. Uh-huh. Um, okay. So that's what we got for the domains. Then next is our characters. Um, we've already made our characters. 
luckily. Uh, For starters, using stock archetypes and tropes is fine. Uh, Characters and the player's understanding of those characters uh, can evolve over time. Uh, Character tags and archetypes can change, and sometimes dramatically. Today's villain can be tomorrow's sage. My favorite part is, uh, as you've probably figured out by now, this game isn't exactly heavy on rules and regulations. It's all about what's interesting to you and your friends. And it's like, Mm. yeah, there's not a lot of rules. There's just a lot of like pieces and cogs and stuff that you then fit together to make it what you want to be, but it somehow all ends up working out anyway. So. Hmm. So let's start with characters. All right. Uh, so are we going to go through like everything? Um, just like all, all of the bullet points down the list, just so I can make sure. If nothing else, name, pronouns, profession, appearance, and tags. And we'll do okay. relationships after. Hobbies and skill set? I think we should. Okay, then let's let's do it. <laughs> All right, so I'll be playing the peony. Um, the article is preferred. Uh, her pronouns are she, her. Her profession is prophetess. Her hobbies include tea and things that I actually haven't gone back to settle into better wording, but currently include walking along the shore and watching and waiting. Her skill sets are augury, counsel, and herbal remedies. Her general appearance is based off of a photo shoot that you can find um, on sheridansart.com slash Arcadia. And it's uh, modeled after this woman that has a really fancy, heavy gold headdress that covers her face and um, like wild red hair all around it. But generally, she wears uh, fancy robes in red and gold with lots of ornamentation. Her eyes are covered by a uh, by a veil, like the robe goes up over her face, but you can see a gentle and smile uh, on her mouth. A gentle and smile on her mouth was fabulous. Hmm. Uh, that's not what I wrote. Uh, a gentle <laughs> and smiling mouth is what I did write. She's average height around like five foot six, uh, straight backed, and has strawberry blonde hair. When you can see it, most of the time it is behind her robe, and um, her tags are mouthpiece of the gods. Soft comforts and age is a concept, and age is in quotes. Um, I'm going to be playing a character that no goes by every, but their full name is from eternity to now. Every person knows not who they are, but who they might be. Their pronouns are they them, and they're kind of a drifter, jack of all trades. So far as profession goes, uh, this guy is going to tie in a little bit to one of their tags as well. Their hobbies are weaving like baskets, fabric and any jewelry and any other crafts that keep their hands busy, uh, dancing, or at least they used to dance, um, and people watching. Their skill set uh, is getting into and out of places they shouldn't be, paying attention and timing. They just seem to show up when they need to be in places. In terms of appearance, uh, large, dark eyes and red hair that's long been bleached by the sun to the point of being very brassy looking, though it's got this streak of black running through it, and it's worn um, in a loose braid that goes like all the way down their back. Uh, they look like they've been sick at some point in the past and still haven't really gotten over it, like a little too thin, dark circles under the eyes, that sort of very washed out complexion. And they dress in layers of mismatched ragged clothes and uh, a scarf, regardless of the weather. And they have inked lines of text traversing their skin, but you only really catch snippets of it when they move around in certain ways. Nobody's really been able to suss out what it says. 
Their tags are Friendly Neighbourhood Cryptid, Still Waters Run Deep, and Hidden Teeth. All right, and I'll be playing uh, Marius Thank the Gods for Small Favors. Uh, their pronouns are they, them. Uh, their pr- profession, they will tell you, is uh, the last mage of Anukar. God. Yes. <laughs> I love Marius. The last, specifically. Yes, the, the article last. is important here. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, listen, instead of that, or just last mage, they are the last mage. The peony gets it. Yep. Uh, their hobbies are academic pursuits, uh, particularly magical theory. Um, and their skill set is arcane arts with a focus on uh, ghost summoning and conjuration. You can sense a theme here with who they are as a person. Um, <laughs> nerd. Their general appearance is uh, short, between 5'3 and 5'4, willowy, pale, uh, long brown hair kept in an elaborate braid, dark eyes, sharp features, and they wear the robes of their station as a mage of Anukar. Their tags are likes books more than people, know-it-all, and uh, fussy, fussy, fussy. And I'm going to be playing Sable the Unfavored, uh, formerly known as uh, Ronan, stern and bitter like Earth. Uh, Their pronouns are they, them, or he, him. Uh, Their profession is alive. (laughs) Because I'm emo. Uh, Once upon (laughs) a time, their hobby was gardening, but they haven't had a place to have a garden in a long time. Um, Their skill set is negotiation and not with swords or staffs. Um, they're generally, they, they, so their face claim is Robin Wright in House of Cards, um, with, but with dark red hair, which they're growing out right now, so it's, like, a little bit longer than Robin Wright's hair is in House of Cards. <laughs> um, they've got dark gray eyes with some warmth in them despite the set of their jaw. Simple clothes in neutral colors, carefully patched with a staff they lean on, and also wield as a weapon if they absolutely have to. Um, they've got a scar over one eye, and they wear a ring with a pattern of a compass on their left middle finger, and an opal ring on a chain around their neck, which no one's seen it, but they're wearing it. Um, <laughs> their tags are uh, the paladin, to be lawful or good, uh, wanderer, and young face, old eyes. I, I, I'm saying young as a general term because they do look like they're in their mid-50s. Oh, let's do relationships. It does come before the next part. So, yep, relationships. Her relationship with, uh, or her, the peonies' relationship with every is knows a truth about them and will look after them until they are ready to know it. Every's relationship with Marius um, is that, uh, in their words, there are things I can do that I don't understand. Marius is helping me understand how and why I can do them. Um, my relationship with Sable uh, is I feel indebted to Sable for guiding me to safety uh, to the city of Gauls. <laughs> yep, they sure do. <laughs> um, I still don't have a relationship with Peony written down, but I think this is, it's more of, um, I am seeking answers to questions I am afraid to ask, and I think Peony might be, might take care with the answers. Ooh, I love that. She will mom all of you. I can't wait. <laughs> Sable hasn't had a mom in like 200 years, man. <laughs> I will be all of your moms. Um. All right. So 
Once our group has a decent starting cast of primary characters, um, each player can, if they want to, introduce one organization that has influence, power, responsibility, or an important mission. Um, so these function very much like characters, and uh, for an individual character, membership in an organization is just another is just another tag. Um, they don't automatically inherit their organization's tags, but they may share its mission and have access to resources and perks. Uh, an organization's most important tag is often its mission or purpose. An organization may have more than one. Um, I, I'm going to read this anyway. Um, if nobody in the group has an idea for an organization that they are excited about or interested in, which we do, uh, that's mm-hmm. totally okay. Um, you can start the game and add organizations if and when something comes to mind. So, we've got a couple organizations already. Thanks, The Quiet Year. We got a couple cults. <laughs> and by a couple, I mean, like, four. We've got, like, four cults. How many cults do you have? <laughs> Post, post-apocalypse, you know, people get a little bit intense about their relief structures. It's fine. You know. You know. It's all good. God, it's nothing but cults. Cults all the way down. Cults all the way down. We're going to introduce more. Do we have any organizations that aren't cults? <laughs> uh, yes. It depends on how you term what. I don't even know what the peonies group is. Yeah, let's not. We can't get into the what's the difference between a religion and a cult on the podcast. <laughs> That's a whole yeah. other That religion has more than 12 followers. That's what the gulls preach about atop their spires. The difference um, between a cult and a religion. God, okay. Alright, alright. Everyone cut it out. I've had enough. You only need um, three people to form a cult. <laughs> okay, so the ones that we have right now, since everyone else has just decided to devolve into shitty jokes, um, are the tall ones devoted, the cult of the tall boy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I still love this. Yeah, we never came up with a more dignified name for him than Tallboy, but yeah. But it's okay. Is the tall boy uh, still around? This no. Is no, no. Okay. He no, fell just... in the fight against the largest gull. Of course he did. I'm so Rest sorry. Rest in no, peace, no, go- Tallboy. No, no disrespect, Tallboy. <laughs> rest, in, rest in peace. He, but I, I imagine that like his bones were too large to clear, so it's like his his skeleton is just like a monument, kind of like you know how in Pacific Rim there's like yeah. that yeah. that one area that has the the kaiju uh-huh. bones. It's like uh-huh. that. Yeah. Um. Then we have the flock, the cult of the gulls. So, uh, wow, we've already got organizations at odds, huh? Mm-hmm. Um. I just threw these down right now um the cult of the storm god mulga which is a traveling group of uh parishioners that came through the quiet year at one point at we haven't decided how long ago the quiet year game was i feel like if anyone's going to have an answer to that it would be jade because jade is actually playing a character who is in the quiet year Mm. so that's your decision no pressure though I would say, she like, is. theoretically, the peony probably would have been around at that time, too. Okay, so both of you can make that call. Um, because I know you guys said it was about, um, 150 to 200 years before the 
uh, was that when you guys were doing the Divmon game was like about 200 years before the Quiet Year, or was that 200 years before Sundered Land? It was about 150 to 200 years before Sundered Land. I kind of okay. imagined that personally that the city of Gull's uh, quiet year took place like 50 to 70 years before the Sundered Land. Great. Mm-hmm. I was also thinking like 60 years. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's fine. That Wait, was what so- I had in my head. So Okay. Cool. Okay. So they've been around. So all these, all these, they've had plenty of time to form. Um, okay. Whatever the small city's council is, um, and then um, yeah. primary locales. Oh, sorry. Do we need to give these organization tags? We don't have to. Tag. Cult, 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 council. Tellboy, gulls, storm god Mulga, trying their best. <laughs> 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 I'm actually, that's the wrong mouse. I'm going to put that here. Trying their Oh no, I was typing on the wrong keyboard that time then. (laughs) (laughs) And yes, it did open up an entirely different game. So I have to scroll back down to where I was in the thing. Alright, locales. Really quickly. Because we've been doing this for a while already. Yeah, we've been doing this for a while. So I'm going to really quickly... Locales. Uh, Locale is exactly what it sounds like. It's a place where things, important things, happen. It is, of course, totally okay to create a locale that doesn't immediately come into play and instead looms over the town ominously as a sort of geographical or municipal Chekhov's gun. Uh, Oh, and if you haven't already, you should probably decide on a name for your town at this point. Which is relevant because when we played it on stream, we got to that point and still hadn't named the town, so, you know. It's forever the city of goals. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Devins and Baker, for stealing your name. I mean, it's better than the ruins of the last university. (laughs) (laughs) Mab. (laughs) I haven't finished it yet. Sorry. I'm I'm not listening to it at all, so it's okay. Valid. Um... A locale must fall under one or more of the four domains. On top of that, it should have a primary function or be historically, symbolically, or personally significant. Uh, A locale should also be connected, however tentatively, to at least one primary character. Um, Aside from that, a locale can start off with up to three additional tags that a player or group feels to be relevant or appropriate, and one marker. Um, I'm going to open up our map again to try and remind myself what the fuck we already have in this town. Oh, well, I I actually know what uh what Sable's connected locale is. Oh. It's again I just hit the fucking wrong keyboard. Um it's the the shore. Um uh. I think closer to the crab to the tide pools that were formerly crabs, it's more fringe. Uh-huh. So like I think that part of the shore is um the wilds and part of it is fringe. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm saying that Sable's part of the shore is fringe. I was going to say, can more than one primary character be associated with a location? I mean, yeah. I was just thinking, because I know the the peony is big on walking on the beach, too. Oh, um, well, that's just, she wanders out that way. Her locate her locale was most likely going to be, um, like, her shop front or whatever it is. Because, like, I don't want to call it a tea house and I don't want to call it a temple. Whatever kind of word is, like, right in between those two. Um, so she's going to be located in the heart, um, would be, like, where you could, you know, her thing. 
Should we all have a, a locale in the heart, given that so much of like the game's primary... It's, it states in the text that a lot of the scenes are going to be happening there. We One, we don't have to. Two, since Sable is a very fringe character, I feel... They don't really feel super comfortable in the heart. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to leave their location as being the fringe. Uh, for every, I want to have sort of like... Hovel's the wrong word, but they definitely have like this semi-ruined building that is sort of like their main spot. And yeah, it used to be something. They don't know why they like it. But it's where they've been living, and it's definitely in the still ruined part of the city. It's near the heart, so like, and it's got an elevated enough position that they can like see stuff. But I think, um, like Kale's, you saying about Sable being a fringe person, I think every very much is as well. Yeah. So, but yeah, no. When when I gave them the tag "friendly neighborhood cryptid," and this was established uh, in the quiet year, is a uh, like this person literally just showed up. And nobody kind of knew what the... They were just there. And it's a thing that I kind of wanted to carry on. It's just like, they just show up in places and do stuff. And just like, yeah, your friendly neighbourhood Spider-Man. But like, every, like most people in the City of Golds, because it's quite a small community, have got a story about every. So, which just makes me happy. Like, I swear I saw them do this and everyone's like, yeah, no, you didn't. But also nobody's ever surprised by any story they hear about every. No, of course not. Just like, yeah, okay, sure. You saw Mothman behind Denny's. But it's like, yeah, but I mean, why wouldn't Mothman behind Denny's? Well, yeah, I know. But still, I don't think they saw Mothman behind Denny's. All I know about America, I learned from Tumblr. (laughs) (laughs) Close enough. Tumblr and memes. And The Simpsons back when it was good. Um, okay. Dora's is real good. That is so good. Because uh, of course it is. <laughs> because of who Marius is as a person, uh, they were able to find and reclaim a small library, uh, which they use as a study, and uh, they do teaching out of it. Because when they got to one of the things that they were trying to do is they were trying to pass on the knowledge of the mages of Anukar. So they've taken it upon themselves to educate uh, those who require education. And uh, that is in the heart. Excellent. Okay. Finally, once all of the above is out of the way, (laughs) each player in turn introduces at least one mystery. A mystery can be urgent, recent, or immediate. It can also be an old legend, a bit of local lore, an event that happened many years ago, or an event that will or may happen in the future. A prophecy, pretentious dream, cryptic warning, rumor, or rumbling. Uh, If a mystery is future-facing, its precise nature should, in most cases, be kept fairly vague. Mysteries are first and foremost story hooks. Some may go somewhere immediately, others may not come into play until much later, and yet others may end up getting revised, altered, or retconned to better accommodate the emerging fiction. Uh, Players should feel absolutely no obligation to conclusively solve any of the mysteries they establish. This town is full of monsters is inspired by a very particular genre, and said genre, despite what some fans may desire, tends to focus on questions. Answers are optional. So, I think that's actually, like, yeah, that's a golden rule number one in true wisdom. So, mysteries. 
I'm trying to figure out how to phrase one, but um, I think especially the peony is a prophetess, so hers would be a forward-facing thing. Um, mm-hmm. And I it think- doesn't have to be associated with a character. Just remember that. Yeah, yeah. I, I just think also, you know, um, in regards to our cabal of um, characters that we have going on here, is that it's um, something about. Uh, like a, a, I guess not necessarily like a return of the gods, but um, something like that. I have to figure out some wording, but that general idea. Yeah. Did um, and this isn't me trying to cop out. Are there any stuff that didn't get solved within the quiet year that oh, got yeah. left lingering? Like, Tons are there any good? Th- are there what good? Th- I, it's been a, so a while since I listened to the quiet year. I'm trying to think of any particularly good ones. I'm going to go back to the handy-dandy episode summary that I made. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Because I actually made the ones for the quiet year. I haven't done mm-hmm. any since, but, you know, it'd be like that. Um, Sometimes it'd just be like that. Please stop praying for Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> He's so strong. <sighs> oh, um, the glowing stones... <laughs> We still don't know shit about those. Oh, what happened to Plant Greg? <laughs> Plant Greg? <laughs> He's still around? Is he? <sighs> Jesus. I hope the not. plants are the plants are definitely still around. The yeah, the are plants around. are around. But what did we do to Plant Greg? <laughs> Jeez. I feel like maybe Plant Greg like the Greg part may have disintegrated, so leaving just like, did like he wilt. Yeah, just leaving, like, plants, like, twined together in the shape of a person. In the shape of a Greg. Yep. He's shaped like a Greg. Mm. See, all I can think of is Annihilation right now, and, you know, that's not a a happy association. It's a valid one. Plant Greg versus the Parish of Mulga the Storm God. Oh, right. I have a footnote that talks about our three wars. Yeah, that too. Um... The raptors and cats, the mermaids versus daddy crab, and plant Greg versus the parish of Malka. God, there was so much happening. There was so much going on in the quiet year. The quiet year wasn't terribly quiet, was it? No, no. it really wasn't. Um, I had to close for you because I can't. So that's what I've got for you. We got the plants, we got the glowing stones, the the lightning stuff and the storms, definitely, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, and something about the gods coming back? Maybe? Maybe. We don't know what's up with the Pantheon anyway, so... Mm. No. We don't know very much about what's up with the Pantheon. Um, yeah. So, I don't know if this is too self-indulgent slash self-involved for a mystery. Whether this is a mystery that any of the characters would want to solve um, is how are people so old? Like, how are people living so long? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Given that we've established that we have two characters that were definitely around in the quiet year and one who we know is like 200 years old. The one who was around before the quiet year. Yeah, the one who was around before the quiet year. The one who was around before the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Marius can start finding out how old people are. Just like, you're what? 
No, 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 no. <laughs> That's just weird. <laughs> yeah, I think Marius is going to end up treating a bunch of people like projects. You know, they're, they're mysteries to be solved. Um, I put down for a mystery that, you know, I'm interested in exploring. Who built the temple you can't see except in the dark? Um, I have put down two mysteries now. My first one, which is the obvious one, is what happened to Afiel? And the second one, which is silly, but I think still relevant, is what are ghosts? Yeah, because Marius can summon them. Marius can Uh. summon a ghost, but I don't, like, I think it's really interesting if, like, ghosts aren't a lore thing in this world. Uh. So everyone's like... So Marius is like, I have a summoning name of a ghost. And everyone's like, what's a ghost? I'm like, what's a ghost? <laughs> oh, man. That's really funny. And, and Marius either bullshits something or is like, I don't know. Depending on what Dora thinks. I think more in character would be bullshitting something, but I wanted to give the opportunity. Yeah, no, Marius, Marius starts going into like ectoplasmic... Uh, injunctions in the ether and stuff like that. And if, Sable by the makes time, a face behind them. <laughs> yeah, by the time they get to like their second sentence, everybody's lost interest. Um, and then more generally speaking, what's up with the gods? In the gods in general, and why aren't? Why are people so old? Or how are people so old? Uh, yeah. How are people so old? Okay, so we've got mysteries. Um, Ooh. we've been doing this for a really long time. This happened last time, too, even with the stuff that we'd established at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, prep for this game takes a bit, but it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, once you've got the setup phase out of the way, you're ready to start framing scenes and moving the story along. Um, all that's left to do is decide player turn order, which we've done, and get to it. Uh, the player framing a scene chooses a primary locale. Um, they can also create a new one if the spirit moves them. Any number of primary characters and the general direction of the scenes or the questions that they most want the scene to answer. Individual players dictate the actions and motivations of the characters that they have, quote, ownership of. Um, they can, however, willingly cede control of one or more of their characters for the duration of a scene. Each and every player, in turn, introduces at least one new element, detail, or observation, big or small, into the scene. Um, it's basically a fancy way of saying everyone contributes something to the world at any point during the scene, even if the scene is between two characters. Like, let's say that... Sable and Marius were having a scene, Jade and Mab can can chime in at any point with a detail about the world or something else happening at any time, if they think it's interesting. And the person whose scene it is, I think it, I think it says, I, I think some, somewhere it says that, um, the primary, whoever is, whoever's scene it is gets like final say or something, but I can't remember where it is. Um... Uh, if one of a player's characters is not present in the scene, they can use their opportunities to add more background flavor, briefly introduce a side character, or inject a rumor or portent that points to an established mystery. Excellent. So, um, I'm not going to say everything else that are in these rules because it's basically just we're making, we're doing scenes right now. Um, we can use one of the list of scenes, the primary scene types that's already been, um, 
provided here, or we can do whatever we want. Um, most importantly, one of the primary scene types, thank you so much for this, Alex and my love, is smooch country. Two or more characters are smooching. That's it. That's the entire scene type. It's very good. It's extremely good. <laughs> um, so. I um, also want to mention the interjection types, which are also really cool mechanic, which is if you're not if you're not controlling a primary character in the scene, you can do things like put in flashbacks, like super fast, like image ones or flash forwards or uh, omens or <laughs> possibly numinous non sequitur. That's amazing. I Someone love or that. something <laughs> delivers a cryptic message that may or may not have anything to do with anything. And then, of course, just incongruous dread. <laughs> I know. I feel like incongruous levity is just like could be the title of my autobiography like (laughs) something comical or ridiculous overlaps it appropriately with a moment of dark gravity it's just like here we go here i am okay so let's 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 get started if at any point you need inspiration or a jumping off point um this game also contains a handy dandy little feature called the oracle um, which is basically any any sort of resource, like a tarot deck, uh, one of the other examples that, hey, fuck you, Google Drive. It just closed on me. Um, the Oracle. Uh, a de- by default, a deck of tarot cards will do, but you are free to do to use whatever you like. Dice, coins, yarrow stocks, tea leaves, coffee grounds, runes, alternative card-based oracles, etc., uh, there's no direct mechanical effect, um, just symbols, ideas, images, or impressions. Um, so, like, I have my tarot deck next to me. If I ever need a little spark of something, I'll draw. I have retrieved one of mine from my desk drawer. I'm gonna use my pseudo mini deck, uh, which isn't actually tarot. It's from the game, um, Mysterium which you play as a ghost and a bunch of psychics and the ghost is trying to communicate with the psychics who killed them. But the ghost can only speak through visions. And it's got this amazing deck of like beautiful cards, um, which is how you can give images to the psychics. But I did a Call of Cthulhu one shot and had picked 12 to be my deck for my character who was a psychic. So I will use those as they're right next to me. So I have a deck of 12 cards. So I'll use those. I'd have to go downstairs to get my tarot deck, so I'm going to use a uh, deck of playing cards and treat them as the minor arcana. Valid. Cool. Let's see. What do I want? Because I have to start. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Um, oh, well, we should mention <laughs> that uh, we're starting a few months after your Sundered Land game. So, mm. you know, it's, it's, everyone's had time to, I said everyone, it's mostly only the two of you who have had time to settle down. So let's see how that goes for you all. How do you, mm-hmm. how are you enjoying our town? It's lovely, isn't it? Um, if, anyone would like to join the peony in doing an investigation um i don't know if like someone wants to like come to her to to get a to get an answer 
or um, if someone had like previously been like, hey, I have this question, and then she's coming back to them with an answer or something like that. But I mean, we all know that Sable would be, but um, I don't exactly know what the question sounds like, because I don't think they're going to start off with the big one right now. No. Um, I think they're a little, still a little too scared. They have a lot going on with them right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think it's got to be something else. Um, like, it's, it could still be them. I don't want to step on anyone else's toes, um, but... I mean, uh, it could also be that, um, uh, like, leaning a little bit into the how are people so old uh, if uh, Sable and the Peony haven't had a lot of a chance to get to talk. I think, like, the Peony would be very interested in sitting down and talking with Sable, but she hasn't had that chance yet. Um, so it's just kind of like now she does get that chance, she might be able to corner them on a very empty shore <laughs> somehow, <laughs> and they still manage to somehow feel cornered, and, uh, like, you know, she, she is coming up and, um, getting that chance to talk to them, uh, in a way that explores sort of the idea of, hey, old people that are still around, right? Hey, um, before we keep going in this, yeah. um, Mab, you asked how Sable and Marius were feeling about being in the town, so I just did a reading. <laughs> how did that go? <laughs> I got the inverted Knight of Swords. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I... God. Wow. <laughs> wow. So it's gonna be like that, huh? <laughs> oh, we're, we're there. We're fucking there. <laughs> we're in it. <laughs> womp womp. Um, okay, so, so, yep, pretty much. So that's, okay, how, so that's how we're gonna approach this. Um, hey, old people, huh? Hey, old people, huh? I know you're feeling a little bit inverted Knight of Swords right now, but... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God bless. As I say, for our listeners, does you want to give any context or just the visual is enough for maybe people that don't know tarot? Um, let me just... Okay, so I'm going to start with... I have a Homestuck tarot deck. <laughs> um, which uh -huh. is the fucking snarkiest tarot deck I've ever used in my entire life. I swear to God, it's such a jerk to me. The Knight of Swords, um, when upright, um, some of its keywords are uh, action-oriented, driven to succeed, fast-thinking. When reversed, it's restless, unfocused, impulsive, and burnt out. Jesus. <laughs> so, that's... I don't know, man. <laughs> Who needs complicated tarot spreads? The, the the tarot deck that I have is, or the one that I have next to me, is um, a bunch of, like, fables and fairy tales. Knight of Swords is Bluebeard. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, um, I mean, the, the deck was made before a lot of uh, Act 6 reveals, but the Knight of Swords on uh, this deck is... Uh, Bro Strider. That means nothing to me. Yeah. Same. <laughs> You're no longer not the only non homestuck jade I've returned. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for not So, anyway, the peony, 
the peony corners, quote unquote, uh, sable on the beach. And um, she is graceful enough in a way to make it look like an accident. Um, and, you know, like, oh, I was just walking along the shore as well. And here you happen to be. And how funny that the two of us should be in the same place at the same time. Haha. <laughs> and um, we'll just sort of engage them in conversation. And they do have an out because it is the shore and she won't stop you if you want to leave. But she does sort of uh, hold out a hand towards them in sort of, you know, like, a, oh, a walk with me sort of gesture. And um, do they take it? Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, it's a little bit hesitant, but they definitely take it. Um, I think this is post, uh, post-morning prayer, so, like, they've not been interrupted or anything. Mm -hmm. They just tend to, like, linger here once the sun has risen, because it's nice, it's warm, no one's really around to bother them. Um, but they don't, like, they don't feel bothered by the peony, um, just a little bit, like, what's the word I'm thinking of here? Um, it's gonna take me a second to find it, but it, it, it it's a it's a positive word. <laughs> but yeah, they 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 take they take her hand. Okay, so so I want to introduce the detail that there's definitely some gull activity in the distance. <laughs> um, you can just hear them crying, and it sounds if you focus on it for just a little bit, it almost sounds like. It could be a person screaming instead of just a bird screaming. Have you all ever heard peacocks? Yuck. Oh, and uh, if anyone did not heed our advice of maybe going to listen to the quiet years, you know, these are not regular sized seagulls. <laughs> they're like bear sized seagulls. They're, they're, they're like, yeah, they're, they're like bear size. Um, Important note. <laughs> um, is it hard to focus? When they're so noisy like that for you. It's better than silence. You've been in silence a long time, haven't you? Before this. Too long. I can't say we're an exceptionally noisy community, but I think you'll find an appropriate amount of levity among the folk, despite everything. Yeah, it's been... I don't know the word, but <laughs> nice. <laughs> We're sort of a town that defies concrete explanation a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. Very much like and nothing at all like what I had heard. And what have you heard? That it was refuge. That it could be home, perhaps. And you don't think it would be? I haven't had a home in a very, very long time. This is... It's nice. It's a place to stay. I'm not... I'm not banking on it being permanent. What could we do to help you settle, Sable? You've walked so long and so far. Your feet and your soul are tired. What is to stop you from calling here home? They're still holding her hand, right? Mm-hmm. And they squeeze it and they say, this is enough. As long as things can remain, well, not quiet, but 
light. This is enough. We will treat you as well as we can while you are here. And if you decide to move on, we understand. But just know that we are ever-changing. It has been a long time since we have been a refuge. And now we are a community. And if you're looking for somewhere to run to, to run away from something else, we might not be that answer. And so we can fight those demons for you and with you, or we will send you on your way when you are ready. Thank you. And they sort of poke at the sand in front of them a little bit with their staff. <laughs> um, they're not super talkative, so. That's fine. She will be talkative if they're talkative, but otherwise she's content to just walk with them in silence. Well, except for the screaming gulls. Except for the screaming gulls. It becomes easy enough eventually to block them out. It's just, it's already becoming just background noise. <laughs> okay. I think that's a good little quiet scene. Good good little place to start. Yes. Not mm-hmm. not not too much. Okay. Yeah, same. <laughs> You're up. Yeah, that was awesome. Okay. <laughs> uh, I want to do a scene with Marius at their, uh, their place. Yeah, the reclaimed library. Okay, okay. I'm trying to decide what kind of scene type it could be. I kind of want, I know what I want them to be talking to Marius about, so. I'm just trying to think if it actually falls on any of these for the sake of giving one. Mm-hmm. Oh, I suppose, well, it's kind of a revelation, but not a major one. There's definitely something going on, but it, maybe it's a quiet revelation. I don't know. But that's kind of somebody coming to an understanding. Is kind of what I wanted to be, so if that makes okay. sense, yeah, it does. Um, so yeah, do we need to establish anything else before we get in? Um, I think that there's some other bright-eyed, bushy-tailed uh, community members. Some of the the some of the town's younger younger citizens, um, pouring over some books of magic and trying to trying to make sparks come from their hands. Oh, they're trying to press to digitate. Yeah. Precious babes. Some couple couple baby sorcerers in the corner. Mm. Baby wizards. Um trying really hard to to do magic. Really. Bless. Marius is just like keeping a side eye on them because they don't want them to set the library on fire. That would be optimal, yeah. <laughs> I think that every sort of comes in um like sort of this flurry of clothes but uh, it, they, they don't enter a space dramatically really it's more like they they weren't there a moment ago and then Marius will sort of turn around and see them like just like leaning against the bookcase or stepping out from in between two aisles like from out from an aisle between two bookcases and there's no door over there I have a question. Mm-hmm. Is Marius the kind of person who would use Every's full name? Jeez, I hope not. That's a long name to use every time you see somebody. 
<laughs> Valid question, though. Oh, God. They're exactly the sort of stuffy person who might. Uh, Every would have had to tell them. <laughs> oh, thank yeah, you, because Dora isn't sure that they Dora isn't sure that they want to do that every time. So thank <laughs> you for that. <laughs> yeah, no, I think the the peony knows it. I think the peony is probably one of the only people that know it. So, and not just for the sake of our sanity. They're really good questions to ask. To be fair. <laughs> I um, want to make sure that we're being as in character as possible. What can I say? Oh, no, fair, valid. Um, and I think they're watching one of the uh, young students trying to do this, and they sort of flex their own hand a couple of times idly. They don't approach Marius right away. They're sort of half more watching. I think Marius does notice them, though. Like, they're keeping a keen eye on... on who and what is in their their study, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it may be one of those things where it's like they don't notice every coming in, but they do notice every's presence after mm-hmm. after a few moments. And mm-hmm. so they put down whatever book that they're like looking at and uh, stand up and come over and, and go, ah, every, it's uh, a delight, as always. Uh, what what brings you here? <laughs> Uh, Mario, uh, no, you're Mario. Mm-hmm. Uh, every sort of uh, nods towards uh, the the young. I was going to say younglings. Not back away from that point of reference. <laughs> 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 it's a vibe. I'm sorry. Okay. It really is. <laughs> <laughs> Your students are coming along nicely. I suppose they are coming along. I'm not sure. I would say that they're coming along nicely, but. Oh my god. You fucking dick. They haven't managed to set anything on fire they hadn't intended to set on fire, so I suppose that's something. All must start somewhere, Marius. Yes, I suppose. I had hoped to seek your counsel, your opinion. Of course. I have found myself recently a new kind a new kind of dream. Hearing voices, but it is when I'm sleeping. It's not like I'm overhearing thoughts or. It's strange. I've I've not experienced anything quite like it. Not that I remember, but at the same time, it doesn't feel dissimilar. It's strange to have something both new and yet not new happen. I don't know what to make of it. Dreams need not have any weight. Sometimes dreams are just dreams. People who peddle a neuromancy are often no more than charlatans. I am not a charlatan. I know. That's why I talk to you. If you must uh, continue down this path, I recommend keeping some sort of record, perhaps uh, tracking if there's any sort of change in the cadence of the offending dreams. Perhaps it's part of a larger picture that someone or something is trying to send you. Or it could just be your subconscious. Perhaps. 
how likely to take such an logical approach to things. I guess that was what I wanted to hear, otherwise I might have gone elsewhere. It's good. You help me think about things differently. I'm always pleased to help people think about things. <laughs> so few people do. Present company excluded, of course. Of course. I just want at that moment, like, something to catch fire and a student to start. <laughs> <laughs> just because it feels like it should A student happen. who's just, like, listening in a little too keenly, is not paying attention to their spell, and then suddenly... Yeah, a little <laughs> bit of incongruous levity, you know, just something a over on one of the other sides, top of the desk catches fire. And Marius doesn't doesn't like shriek, but they, they yelp and they, they <gasps> frantically wave their hands in the air to to cast a dispelling spell to get rid of the fire. Meanwhile, every has just stepped over and is literally using like their part of their clothes just to like suffocate the flame, utterly unfazed by the fact that it's on fire. <laughs> That kid is going to get such a dressing down. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> One, don't eavesdrop. Two, pay attention when you're casting spells. Yep. <laughs> I know where your attention was, and it wasn't on what you were doing. Otherwise, this would not have happened. <laughs> I've taught you better than that. And they're so distracted by doing that, they miss every slipping away. Yeah. Huh. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Absolutely. Excellent. I definitely do want every to have a touch of the fucking Batman vibe, just like showing up and disappearing mid-conversations and stuff like that. Not to be rude, it's just their way. Uh, Vaxel Dan, and then I walk it, and then I walk away. I walk a little bit, and then I walk away. Wait, uh, before I forget, uh, at the end of a scene, the player who framed it assigns a marker to any one character or locale that was either directly or, in or indirectly involved in said scene. Uh, before proceeding to the next scene, this group should also make certain that any motif-based markers that could have been assigned have, in fact, been assigned. Yeah, we got ahead of ourselves, didn't we? We got ahead of ourselves. It's okay. Is it worth keeping... I'm going to make start um, in the dark, just like scene one, and then like we can say who gets a marker or, or what got a marker at the end of it. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, okay. At any point... During any scene, any person can can transmute any marker into a tag. As long like any organization, locale, or motif marker, and any one of their primary characters' markers. Um, so, Kales, you would get a marker from that scene with the peony. I would give give that to you. Excellent. Everyone starts with one. Every character starts with one marker that they can at any point turn into a tag. Okay, who should I give the mark? And it could be the lo a person, a location, right? Um, can you uh, any one character or locale? Okay, um, either directly or indirectly involved involved in the scene. I kind of want to give it to the space, like to the reclaimed library. Okay. I like the thought that there's something about this space. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I want it on the lib on on the reclaimed library. So. Okay. Cool. Uh, so it is. My it's my turn. Yep.
Hi, it's Dora, and I just wanted to thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed us, please consider leaving a rating on iTunes, telling your friends about us, or tweeting about our show using the FTLcast hashtag. No, seriously, we crave the validation and it helps us out. Your support really means a lot. Thanks again!